What the hell's the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another scintillating edition of Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW and Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am Barry Horn, and we have an old, and I mean old, Sports Day. Actually, we weren't even Sports Day DFW when he was here. We were just a... We were just Sports Day. We were just Sports Day, just a regular old newspaper. Gary Myers of the New York Daily News, famous famed author of, uh, what is, is it Manning versus Brady or Brady versus Manning? It's whatever you want. <laughs> well, I like that. As long, as long as you, as long as you uh, buy the book. It's about the uh, two court, great quarterbacks of, of our generation. But we're here to talk to you right now about the, about the NFL draft, the Cowboys draft, and what's happened in the uh, NFC East to possibly change the playing field. Gary, we understand you're somewhere in upstate New York. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm on my way to Syracuse, my old college stomping grounds, where I, I teach a course once a week, uh, April and early May. So I, to accommodate my former teammates at the Dallas Morning News, I pulled off to a lovely rest area. You know, here they call them text stops now instead of rest really? stops, which I think is a sign of the times. Wow, how it's about a sign that? of the times that we're here podcasting. Is that that's a sign of the times? That's right. You should tell them that. You want to be a, a podcast. So stop. when when Jerry Jones called you and the Cowboys called you last week and said, "Should we take Zeke Elliott with the first pick, the fourth pick in the draft?" What'd you tell him? Absolutely, uh, I, I love that pick. Uh, I know the trend now is not to take running backs um, early because they've been devalued, but I still believe that if you play defense and you can run the ball. It takes care of a lot of your problems. So uh, I think we saw two years ago how effective the Cowboys were, you know, with the reincarnation of the triplets with, with Romo and, and DeMarco Murray setting a franchise record, leading the league in rushing, and, you know, Tez Bryant. And last year was not an indication of how much they missed Murray because Romo only played, like, four games. But um, I, I think Elliott, you know, is cheaper and younger than Murray, and he might turn out to be – you know, much better player in that system. He can catch the ball. He's a good blocker. He's a terrific running back. I saw him play a lot in college, and I think he's going to be a terrific pro. And uh, I like it much better. I know people thinking they should take in Jalen Ramsey, but um, I think this guy's got a chance to be an impact player from the first day. Well, you said something very interesting that I just want to perhaps disagree with you, and, and I hate disagreeing with you, as you know. You said running and defense. Where does the Cowboys' defense come into this into this formula? This is a team that that's lost all its its sackers. Uh, you know, they're going to miss four games from Randy Gregory. I think that's, that's, mm-hmm. Calling them sackers is probably a little bit uh, uh, generous. Yeah, Demarcus, the, the, the guys who, uh, the guys who were in the same area code as the quarterback. Correct. Right. Okay, who is going to get the opposed? Who is going to make life miserable for Eli Manning next season? Uh, the Giants' offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he likes it. Now he's, Gary, don't no, laugh at your I, own jokes. Not, yeah, I, I'm allowed to do that, right? Um, I, I think that you know, if you can, you know, one way to keep the defense off the field, obviously, is is to control the ball with your offense and with the running game, and you know, having long drives. So, 
I'm not sure at that point where the Cowboys were picking. Um, you know, Joey Bosa was already gone, and people thought he was the most complete defensive end. But you know, I, I didn't think he's. A, I don't think he's a dominant player. I don't think there was a dominant pass rusher in this draft that was looked upon. Although he hasn't worked out for the Texans, but that was looked upon like Jadavian Clowney was a couple of years ago. Um, there was not like the, the latest in the line of the new LTs that you hear every year. Okay, this guy's the next Lawrence Taylor. So I, I don't think the Cowboys passed up a can't-miss 15-sack-a-year guy in this draft. So um, I think the guy, the guy that could have been um, you know, one of the you know, one or two best players, just period, uh, in this draft, if people hadn't, if teams didn't start devaluing the running game because it's really become a passing league. But I think we, we've seen, like with the Broncos this past season, you know, and they ran it all pretty well in the playoffs for the most part and got nothing out of Peyton Manning other than two early touchdown passes against the Patriots in the, in the championship game. But they really won with their defense, and despite having, you know, I've called them Peyton Manning light for, for the playoffs, that you, you can still win that way without throwing for 300 yards a game. And, again, I think, you know, Romo maybe had his best complete season two years ago because of DeMarco Murray and not having to win games by himself in the fourth quarter when he's most prone to making big mistakes. So, I mean, you're right. The Cowboys got to get some defensive players, but you can't do everything in one year. And, again, I just don't – I think Elliott was so much better than anybody else that they could have taken defensively that I think they made the right move. All right, so, uh, yeah, I didn't have a problem with them. With them, to, I, I said before the draft, if they took Bosa, if they took Jalen Ramsey, if they took Zeke Elliott, either, all three of those are fine picks, and I didn't have a problem with any one of those if, if they made them. But in the second round, by taking Jalen Smith, a guy who many people had may have been in the top five if he'd been healthy, hadn't wrecked his mm-hmm. knee in the Fiesta Bowl, mm-hmm. and they get him in the second round with the third pick of, the, of that round. You know, all right, it, he, he apparently is not going to play this year. Uh, that that seems to be the the feeling. He won't play at all. That seems to be awfully high to me in the second round to take a guy who's not going to play at all this year. And there's a question out there whether that nerve regenerates uh, completely if he can will return to the level he played before. Uh, when in fact, you know, I, I didn't have a problem taking him if you got him in the third round. Now, I, I guess the question is, would he still have been available in the third round? There was reports that maybe the Patriots were going to take him in the second round. Did you hear anything like that? I did not hear that one, Kevin. But you know. I was surprised that early that they took a player who may not uh, contribute this year, and you know it doesn't it doesn't seem like he'll be able to play with a really serious knee injury. I mean, you always run the risk of um, of another team taking him if you feel well he's really a third round value because of the injury, um, and you run the risk of somebody else you know taking him. You know what the Cowboys could have easily done was taking a player that could have helped them immediately with that pick, because it's such a high pick, and then try to trade back into the middle of the second round and, and taking Jalen Smith there. I think that's what Jerry uh, again, Jones it, says. It's, it's risky because somebody else could have taken him, mm-hmm. but um, what did you say, Kevin? I'm sorry. That, no, uh, that, was, that, was, that wasn't Kevin. That was Barry. Recognize your Bronx accents. Let, there uh, you go. Please. No, he said that okay. that's what the, that, 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 that was what the, Cow, what the Cowboys wanted to do with that, what the with that third pick to was to take one of the defensive ends, Kevin Dodd, or uh, Agba from uh, Oklahoma State, who were taken, who were taken in the first two picks 
of the of the second round. They wanted one of those two guys, and they and they had the third pick, and they didn't get either one of them. And then so that, tra- the, and then they said they, they would have traded. They would have traded back into the round to, to get him. Get or of course they they had a lot of things. You know how Jerry loves to wheel and deal, and he didn't get to do any of the things he wanted to do. He wanted to trade a yeah. couple of picks to get up into the first round to take Paxton Lynch. He wanted to trade up to get uh, Connor Cook, the the quarterback from Michigan State. Uh, and and he wanted to make that deal. He didn't get any of those done, which seems pretty remarkable for me that that Jerry couldn't do that. Well, as far as Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook are concerned, you know, with, to sit here today and say these guys going to be good or bad, I mean, how do you ever know? Um, but I, I don't think that they should be crying about missing out on either one of those two guys. From people I've spoken to, um, by no means are either one of those. You know, I can't miss guy. Now, if they were able to trade up and get Connor Cook in the fourth round, um, which they wanted to do, the Raiders from, yeah, then you know that's a good value in the fourth round. You know what's interesting about Connor Cook is that one of the raps on him was his leadership and his standing in the locker room, and how as a senior quarterback at Michigan State he was not voted a team captain, which is very very unusual um, that a senior quarterback wouldn't be voted team captain. It, 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 it was kind of reminiscent of, I don't know if you guys saw the, the draft day movie. Um, I refuse to say that, actually, that? Gary. I did no. see it. I did see it, Gary. You did? Okay. So, they, you know, the, the mythical or the fictional Browns don't take a quarterback because he had a birthday party and none of his teammates came to it. And they said, well, what does that say about his leadership? And, you know, we all laughed at that whole thing. But in a, in a sense, that's what happened with Connor Cook is, you know, his teammates didn't come to his birthday party. You know, in this case, they didn't vote him team captain. And and you didn't hear a lot of really positive things coming out of um, East Lansing about Connor Cook, and I think that had a lot to do with why he, he dropped in the draft. As, as far as Lynch, I mean, he had some really awful games um, that make you wonder about how, how his game translates to the NFL. The reason Cowboy fans should be upset about not getting him is because I, I really do have a lot of uh, respect for John Elway when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. Obviously, he was a great player. But, you know, if he traded up to get this guy, then obviously he saw some traits that he really likes. On the other hand, he traded for Mark Sanchez, so my, maybe my respect for, for uh, <laughs> Elway is misguided. <laughs> it could be. Uh, let, let, let me ask you about another one, one other uh, quarterback who was drafted. <laughs> Again, he's laughing at himself. It's unbelievable. Well, uh, you know, I'm sitting here. It's raining in upstate New York. i got to get, get entertained somehow. Okay. Because <laughs> we're certainly not doing, we're doing it. it. But let, let, let me ask you about uh, the, the quarterback the Cowboys got, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Your thoughts on him? Um, well, I, I never saw him play. I, I just know that um, the Cowboys needed to get somebody in there to at least take a shot at finding Romo's eventual success, or at least having somebody capable of winning a game when he doesn't play. How many games did they win without Romo last year? One, maybe one, two? One. 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 I mean, they became completely uh, ineffective on offense because they had nobody. Jerry just left that position completely naked. You know, whether or not this guy Prescott can come in as a rookie and then if, if Tony gets hurt, you know, keep the offense going. I mean, I think that's, I think that's wishful thinking. On, on their part, they, they probably needed to to be able to sign a guy like Brian Hoyer rather than him going to Chicago, just to try to you know keep the train running a little bit if Romo gets hurt. 
Okay. But, you know, I can say the same thing about the guy the Cowboys picked as, as Connor Cook or, you know, Christian Hackenberg, um, Paxton Lynch. You put them all in the same category and you say, well, you know, it depends on what system he gets in, the coaching, the teammates, um, what the environment is in the locker room. And a lot of that has to do with whether, you know, they can transition into the NFL and be successful. All right, now let's, let's look around the rest of uh, the NFC East here and draw on your expertise there. Uh, you know, I, I want to first of all say that I was I said and I wrote a column saying the Cowboys oh, should have signed Olivier Vernon at defensive end, which the Giants did. Uh, and then and then if you make that signing, uh, then, then you don't have to worry about the fact that there was not there was not a great defensive end in this draft. Joey Bosa. Was, Olivier was the Vernon one. is a great defensive end now. He's better than Joey Bosa. Okay. He's a better pass rusher than Joey Bosa is. And so uh, he, he was. It was were expensive. the Cowboys even in on Vernon? Uh, I never heard them make. No, I don't know. I don't think they were. I don't. I think they just decided okay. they didn't want to spend that money anymore. You know, the, the brand. Here's the problem with the whole Brandon Carr uh, issue and giving him fifty million dollars for five years right. was that oh, apparently that has cooked them forever about signing any free agents, which to me is crazy. You know, just because you've been burned once doesn't mean you just say, "Oh, look at that money that was wasted on Brandon Carr." It doesn't mean that every one of these guys is going to be a bust. Is that sooner or later you're going to have to make that decision because. The, the Giants made a big decision on Olivier Vernon. The Redskins made a big decision on Josh Norman. Right. And, and the Cowboys, that's two needs for the Cowboys right there. Cornerback, defensive end. The Cowboys didn't. They whiffed but, but completely both on both. Both cost a lot of money. Both cost a lot of money, no question about it. But both are proven players. So Okay, so let's let's go around the division, Gary, and include, including free agency and the draft. Uh, do you think the Redskins may have helped themselves the most? Well, uh, listen, I think that Josh Norman is a quality corner. He's a lot better than he thinks he is. I mean, he's not as good as Hodge Carter. Let me <laughs> yeah. rephrase that. He's not as good as he thinks he is. There's a lot of that going um, around, though. Pretty much in this room, I think. <laughs> and and, and, on the fo- and on the phone. Yeah, pretty much these guys in, in thinks- this room right here are not as good as we think we are, but what the heck. <laughs> but, um, yes, yeah, so I, I think that the um, the Redskins really helped themselves with Norman because he's an upgrade over over what they had, and I think he'll give that defense an attitude. Now, as almost as the case with any with any team in the league, you know, the key is with the quarterback. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, the second half of last season, you know, played as well as anybody has for the Redskins in a really long time. I'm not a huge believer in him. I think he's just a, a above-average player. Um, but, you know, the Redskins won the division last year, and, and they just added – you know, one of the five best cornerbacks in the league, and and um, they added some firepower on offense. That you know, maybe they, maybe they're the team that you know has a little sustained success in the NFC. Yeah, TCU's Josh Doxson. Uh, yeah, I really liked him a lot. He was my favorite, and maybe because I saw him play so much, but he was a guy who really would, would go up and get the ball. Great uh, ball skills. Once the ball's in the air, you know, he was always going up and getting it. Just terrific at that. Not not a burner, but a, but a guy who's who's big and, and right. will go up and catch the ball. So I like that. Okay, so that's that's the Redskins. We'll get to the Giants in a minute. What about What about the Eagles? Do you understand what's going on there? No, I mean, this really doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, listen, I can understand them making that trade if they hadn't already committed $22 million guaranteed to Bradford and $12 million to Chase Daniel. But it, it defies logic that you commit that kind of money to these players and then empty out your dress for two years or even into the third year for a, a kid from North Dakota State. 
either do one or the other. I thought at the time that they signed Bradford, and I wrote this, that it was great news for the Giants that the Eagles had committed to Bradford for two more years because I, I don't think he's very good. And, and Chase Daniel um, is just a backup who started like three games in seven years. Also a very expensive so, uh, backup. I thought, yeah. I mean, $12 million guaranteed for a backup quarterback is an awful lot. But, you know, if that's the decision they made and, and sitting, you know, even after they made that trade with Miami and they moved up to the eighth pick, you didn't figure they were going to jump up to get a quarterback and that, you know, they take something of a more immediate need. I don't understand how you make both those moves. Now you got – they've already paid $11 million to Bradford in a signing bonus. He wants out of there. Uh, they, there's no indication that they're going to trade him, even though they had talks with Denver, you know, prior to the draft. So now you have an unhappy quarterback that will – whose attitude certainly will divide the locker room. you got a kid coming in from a really small program. He's from Bismarck, North Dakota, who now is going to Philadelphia, which is one of the toughest cities in the league uh, to play in because, of, you know, the fans are impatient and, and vocal. Um, I, I, get, I just don't know. What, the Eagles have created just a horrible environment uh, that makes little sense. You, well, Again, do one or the other, but don't do both. And... You know, if it would have been different if they if they didn't re-sign Bradford and they just signed Chase Daniel, and he'd be as Parcells used to say, a hold the fort guy, and and keep things respectable until Wentz was ready. Because in 1999, which was Andy Reid's first year, Doug Peterson, who's now the coach of the Eagles, was Andy Reid's hold the fort guy until Donovan McNabb was ready to play. So they could have easily, you know, not re-signed Bradford, bring in Chase Daniel, who was in Kansas City with Peterson the last few years, and then, you know, made their move to get the quarterback. That, to me, would have made sense. What they've done now makes little sense. Have they got more committed uh, financially to quarterbacks than anybody else in the league? Well, you have to remember that uh, Wentz, you know, be locked into the slot number for the second pick. So that'll be about five years, uh, four years, rather, um, probably about $24 million, and it'll all be guaranteed. And then you had the $22 million guaranteed of Bradford. Barry, work on my math here. That's $46 million. Yeah. And then um, Daniel's $12 million. So that's $58 million committed the to three, three quarterbacks. Quarter. Yeah. And two of them you know are average players, and the other one you have no idea what he's going to be. So I don't know if that's the most money committed guaranteed-wise to any quarterback, but it's certainly the most questionable. You know what I'd like to see you do, Gary? I'd like to see you get in your car and head south from your home, go to Philadelphia, go into the locker room, and poll the players <laughs> on who they want to be the starting quarterback. Have you ever thought of doing that you know, in the past? I, 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 Barry, I hate this expression that I'm about to use, but been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, 1984, 1984, my uh, my Hogan White poll was probably the most creative thing I've ever come up with. It's been over 30 years since, and uh, it still stands at the top of my list. That's an all-timer. That, that was great. And, and isn't there a great story that goes with that? Didn't, at some point, Tom Landry uh, have, have a team meeting with his players because you were, you were getting too many stories or you were breaking too many stories because the players were telling you too many things? And, didn't, and, well, and, actually, and what happened after that? Well, actually... Unless you're remembering something that, in addition to what I'm about to tell you, my first training camp in Thousand Oaks was the summer of 82. And at the team meeting on the first night of camp, he told the players to be careful what they say because there's a New York reporter now covering the team. 
and you okay. know which stays which says in here uh, stays in here, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And of course, we. Gary. Oh, we just changed producers <laughs> in the middle. Brian has returned, Roddy. and now we've lost Gary Myers. He cut off our, our guy right in the middle of a great story. It was a great story. boy, Brian. Way to go. Right, let, let's, let's call him back. We'll call him I back. Can still oh, hear you guys. Oh, you oh, can hear him. There he is. There he All is. Right. Oh, we changed oh, producers. Okay. So you, you, were at the, you were at the point where Landry had told there's a New York reporter here. And oh, okay. Yeah, so it, it's the summer of 82, my first camp. I had been in Dallas since December of 81. So Tom was quite familiar with my style, <laughs> if you want to call it style. Um, and so he, he, at the team meeting the first night of training camp at Calu, he, he you know, warned the players to be careful what they said because there was now a New York reporter covering the team and, you know, warned them, you know, what we say in our team meetings stays in our team meetings and, and to be careful of me. And, you know, within 24 hours of him telling the players not to let anything out of that team meeting, I had a bunch of players tell me what Landry said about me in the meeting, so his talk wasn't very effective. And you wrote it, right? And, Which, and you wrote it. And you wrote the story, I, I, did you? I, I'm not sure I wrote it at oh, the time. Gary, you're ruining I, I my story. It, <laughs> I might have written it when, when Tom passed away and we all wrote remembrances of, um, of Tom. And I was already back in New York at that point, but I think that they had asked me to do something maybe. Um, the morning news people had asked me to write something, but that's one of my favorite stories because that to me was like the sign of ultimate respect. If I, if I already had Landry a little nervous about me and I was only there for seven months. Let me ask you this. You work for the New York Daily News. What is the greatest headline they've ever put on one of your stories on the back page? Do you remember? Is, 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 there, is there one moment that stands out, uh, one headline that was so terrific you, you remember it? You know, even though it was on the back page of our paper, Bear, I, I don't know if I can repeat it. On is this a family podcast? No, go ahead. Oh no, we've we've already used the word horny. I, wait, wait a minute. On our podcast, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So it could. I want to get this right. It appeared in on the back page of the New York Daily News, and you're afraid to tell us that because we're in Dallas, yeah. Texas. Yeah. Let, let us have it, Brian. Get ready with the beat. All right. Well, well it, it, most of it has to really pertain to the whole Deflategate thing because our headline writers. Well, like third grade boys, you know, whispering in the corner, you know, using the play on words about, we never used footballs in relating to this. Of course, it was balls. So in Brady's first press conference, when he's talking about how he likes his equipment guys to get the footballs perfect, oh, no. you know, the back page are, you know, some Brady calling my balls are perfect. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Okay, and, well, you know, you know this there's is... Been, there's been stuff, you know, where... When Goodell's made rulings during this against Brady, is you know, Goodell cooks, kicks Brady in the balls, you know, things like that. That you know, I'm glad this is not a family podcast because you know I don't, I'm embarrassed saying these things, but I know a lot of people thought our headlines were hysterical. Well, you know, this is the ballsy uh, podcast, Gary. So that's well, right. I know. I mean, Kevin, I've known you for a long time, and I know you're. You're always cutting edge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very cutting edge. Now, listen, we've talked about the other teams in the NFC, well, but we haven't talked to Giants. Talked the Giants, uh, so what the did Giants you... spent an awful lot of money. They spent over $100 million guaranteed on Olivia Vernon, uh, Damon Snacks Harrison, and Janoris Jenkins. And between the three of them, they've played in as many Pro Bowls as the two fine fellows on the other end of this podcast in Dallas. <laughs> oh. That's right. 
That's right. So yeah, you're so not. Wait. Like so are you not a big Olivier Vernon fan? Well, I'm not. Well, I'm not a fan. I think he's okay. He's an undersized defensive end okay. who's never made a Pro Bowl. He's okay. And the Giants gave him um, almost as much money as the Morning News is paying you, Bear. And yeah. and you know we know how much that is. Yeah. So I think they might have overspent on him. Well, that, like but, the, but that's what you do. You overpaying you for years. People always overspend on free agents. There's no question about that. You, that and that's and that's oh, yeah, the argument I mean, people use against it is that oh, you're paying too much. But if you're getting a quality player uh, and if you're upgrading a position that was a that was a problem for you, then I, I think you you can occasionally do that. Uh, so, but Kevin, here's the thing: if the great players never make it to free agency, in many cases, you're you're signing somebody else's problem. Now, I'm not saying Olivia Vernon is a problem whatsoever. I'm saying if he was such a tremendous player, the Dolphins would have signed him. What the Dolphins did instead was sign Mario Williams for less money, who has shown uh, uh, a tendency, especially last season, to not play hard on every play. So they signed Mario Williams, and they take the, the transition tag off of Vernon, making him a UFA, and the Giants you know, came in and and gave him a ton of money. I, I just don't think the way to build teams... Now, you can use free agency to fill in here and there. I just don't think these big money signings have ever worked out. I, I think that's a, certainly an excellent point. And, and I, I, I wouldn't... My, my whole point on the Olivier Vernon thing was is if you feel like that this is Romo's window, you're all in for these last, as Jerry puts it, four or five years. No one else thinks it's going to last that long. Then, no. then you need to do something now. And, and with the prospects that there was not a great defensive end in the draft uh, and that just as you pointed out earlier. Um, so, but at any rate, did the, how much did the Giants improve themselves with the free agency well, and I mean, the draft? Yeah, I mean, they had a historically bad defense last year, Kevin. I mean, they, they blew, I think it was five games that they had leads in the last two minutes, including that atrocity at Jerry World in the season opener last year. Um, so they needed defensive players, and they had like $60 million in cap room uh, at the start of free agency, so they were in a position to overpay and, and blow people away. And, you know, the, the attraction of playing in New York, I, I still think, counts for a lot. And um, ask, ask, maybe the, ask, so, ask the New York Knicks about that. Uh, well, <laughs> you're comparing the Knicks organization and the Giants organization. The Giants... Players love playing for the Giants. They're very classy. They take care of their guys. You know, once a Giant, always a Giant. That's that's their motto. Um, so I, I think it's a team teams want to play for. And and then when you combine that with the money they were in a position to pay, you know, they got who they felt was the best player at each position available in free agency. You know, one uh, you know a pass rusher in Vernon, a, a clog up the middle guy in in Snacks Harrison, and then a cornerback who has an awful lot of potential in Janoris Jenkins, but has a tendency of getting beat. So that means he'll fit right in with the rest of the Giants' defense. <laughs> and, um, and then they take Eli Apple in the first round, despite that scout criticizing his cooking skills. Did you see that story? Did not see that story, no. Oh, there was a scout that was quoted in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel prior to the draft, expressing all kinds of doubt about Eli Apple's, you know, um, uh, his skills away from the field, and even said the guy can't even cook. Oh yeah, well, yeah, I heard that story. 
I never yeah, heard. and then um, it turns that? out he cooked all the times for his teammates, and his father was a five-star chef. So uh, <laughs> I don't think the Giants are, are concerned about that, um, you know, whether he'll be able to cook the team meal or not. Um, I, what, what happened with the Giants in the draft is I, I think their first choice was to take Jack Conklin, the, um, the offensive tackle for Michigan State. From Michigan State, but they didn't, and they all lived happily. Gary, you you, you, you broke cut out on us for just a second. You said there. their their first choice was who? They should have had Jack Conklin. Oh, I'm sorry, Jack Conklin, the the Michigan State offensive tackle. But uh, Tennessee went from 15 to eight, and the Giants were picking 10th, so they jumped the Giants to get Conklin, and then the Bears were picking 11th, and they jumped to nine to get Leonard Floyd, the linebacker from Georgia, and he was the Giants' second choice at number 10. So not only didn't the Giants trade up to get either one of those guys, but they sat there and watched those two players go right ahead of them to teams that traded up ahead of the Giants to get them. And whereas they really do like Eli Apple, I do not think he's the player that they intended to get. I did like the guy they got in the second round. Sterling Shepard uh, saw him play yeah. a lot. He's a, he's really an electrifying player. I think he can do a lot of things. And, they, and I think – he will he will profit by playing across from Odell Beckham and and, uh, and will be very good. He'll be a nice player for the Giants. Well, you know, especially if Victor Cruz is able to come back. You know, he hasn't played since about the sixth game of 2014, and he had a bad knee injury, and then he had the calf injury last year, and he missed the entire season. He's running well now, and he's very optimistic. But it you know it's only May. Uh, if they can get him on the field. With uh, with Shepard and then obviously with Beckham, they'll have three dynamic receivers that are going to be very difficult for secondaries secondaries to deal with, or secretaries for that matter. That was a Freudian. <laughs> yeah, I mean that too. That too. You never know. You never know. Um, but, but you know, you're talking about windows um, with, with Romo. The Giants feel the same way about Eli. You know, he's 35 years old, and um, they figure he's got about you know they signed a new contract last year. He's got about three years left of of high quality play, and um, that had a lot to do with why they spent so much money on defense and why they took a receiver in the second round. Because you know the guy's won two Super Bowls. He's not completely appreciated here for what he's done because he's had a pretty inconsistent career. But just like with Phil Sims, you know, Giant fans really learned to appreciate Sims after he's gone. It's going to be the same way with Eli. I do think the Giants. Management appreciates Eli, and that's why they're trying to do everything they can to maximize the time he still has left. Gary, you've been a terrific uh, guest on, on the shortest notice I think we've ever given anybody. Uh, thanks, thanks for being with us. What, what, what are you going to lecture uh, when you get to Syracuse? What are you going to talk about? Well, well, first thing I'm going to say, I'm always here for you guys. You know, oh. where you know, once the morning news are always a morning newser, just like the Giants. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> tonight's lecture. I'm going to um, have the have my students. We're going to watch the last two minutes of the North Carolina Villanova basketball, the championship game, and have them write a column as if they're on deadline. And we're also going to watch. I'm sure you guys saw this that video that was put out last week with the the horrific tweets of the female sports writers. Oh, yes, yes. Did you happen to catch that? Yes. Um, so we're going to wa- we're going to watch that and and have a good talk about it. And, see what these um, aspiring journalists have to say. So you're, you're going to teach a class by, by having, having kids 
Watch a video and write about it. Why are you even go? Why are you even driving up there? <laughs> well, someone has to hit the you know click the button on the computer. Yeah, there you to go. Turn the video on. Here's Gary. Here's you know. what you should tell. If you're going to do these kids a favor, Ke- tell Kevin them to, is a, for, a former professor. Yeah, so I have. Tell them. Tell oh, them. You to, professor Sherrington. Yes, I did it at SMU and uh, also at uh, Richland College. Uh, tell them to get out while they can, major in something else, and leave it to us old farts <laughs> to ride this media business into the ground well a lot of our talk has been about podcasts and and writing for websites and kids want to get into tv and radio i haven't had one one of the students yet say that they really aspire to work for a newspaper you know my two favorite papers the morning news and the daily news no, uh, nobody's really saying you know can you give me the the email address of the sports editor is there so I can apply for a job. I don't think anybody wants to get into newspapers anymore gary you've been terrific thanks thanks for stopping what town are you in do you know I have no idea. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Our See, favorite rest stop, though. About, I'm about two hours from Syracuse. Our, and, and, raining, and we've so. delayed you for 30 minutes, so please get going. And I just want to say, I don't know if either one of you know this, you're both the fathers of terrific. Gary was the father of a terrific high school baseball pitcher. Kevin's the father of a pitcher. I'm sure we could do a podcast on that for hours. Absolutely. Hours. On, on, on how on how the coaches uh, screwed, screwed your kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, be well, Gary. Thanks. Thanks, Gary. Take care. All right. That was the great Gary Myers uh, of the New York Daily News, formerly of uh, the Dallas Morning News before. Maybe we the greatest football rider we've ever had. Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys beat, beat rider. rider. He was tenacious. He was. He walked in that locker room and ownership they quivered. and management quivered. They, they didn't know what was coming the next day, and it was always good stuff. Always good stuff. Kevin. Always good stuff from you. Sometimes him. good stuff from me. <laughs> Brian wants to leave. <laughs> that music was drowning us out. Brian wants to leave. Wow. So we'll just tell everybody, thanks for listening to this Ballsy Podcast. We have other bo- Ballsy Podcasts up this week. We had Bob Sturm in a uh, Hitting the Cycle. The trifecta. Trifecta, thank you. Uh, Triple Crown talking about soccer, talking about the Cowboy Draft, and, of course, talking about the Dallas Stars. And then we had Evan Grant. In a funk. Boy, he was in a funk. In a funk from Toronto talking Ranger baseball on a baseballsy podcast. This was a Cowboy podcast. Everyone, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.